Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. Before we begin, we'd like to remind you that our ministry is supported 100% by listeners like you. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website. Welcome to Revolution, everyone. Glad to see your faces. And welcome to everyone listening online. Glad you were wherever you are, <laughs> in the gym, in your car, your home office. I don't know where, where, where people listen online. Mostly the gym, I think. But, oh, the prodigal son has returned. Um, well, now we have an even thousand people. Um, So today, you know, life is going crazy. You know, England got attacked again. Just all sorts of horrible shit going on. And I'm just getting to the point where I'm just, I don't want to say that I'm I'm not unfazed by it. I'm just so like, ugh. It's just so like everything with Trump, everything with these attacks, everything with just, it's just, it's just, I'm just fatigued by it. You know, you're just like, ah, not not something else. Just, I don't know. It's it's causing a lot of uh, emotional fatigue, you know. And I see a lot of people talking about different things online and really getting into it. And I don't, I just, almost to the point where I feel so saddened by it that I don't feel like I can, I don't have anything to say. I don't have anything to add, you know. My prayers are with you, you know what I mean? My thoughts are, you know, everybody, you know, it's like, so, I don't know. It's tough. It's really tough. But uh, my prayers are with those folks. It's just, I don't have to tell everybody on Twitter. Um, Today we're going to be in Romans. take a break from the Gospels. I think we may have talked a little bit about this and about this verse, but we'll see. You know, actually I wanted to read something from this book I'm reading, well, kind of reading. It's been slow go. The guy's really a brilliant reader. I mean, brilliant reader, but he can't write worth a shit. I'm just kidding. <laughs> He's a brilliant writer, and... Um, Sometimes too good, like he really explains things beautifully, and I'm just like, ah, oh, come on, let's just get to the point. Um, but I wanted to read this because I just kind of share, I don't know where you guys are at, but this is sometimes where I'm at, and I thought, let's share it. First, you have to go through, and first, you have to go through, and while you do, While you're struggling with the first raw realization of the degree to which you have fucked things up in one of the louder, quieter crises of adult life, there is no resolution to be had, no comfy scheme of order to hold on to. The essence of the experience I'm trying to talk about in this chapter is that it's chaotic. You stop making sense to yourself. You find that you aren't what you thought you were, but something much more multiple and mysterious and self-subverting. 
And this discovery doesn't propel you to a new understanding of things. It propels you into a state of where you don't understand anything at all. Unable to believe the comfortable things you used to believe about yourself, you entertain a sequence of changing caricatures as as your self-image. I wrote me 2017 on there. So I can look back in that. Um, it's a journey, man. And life is a tough, can be very tough sometimes. And uh, when you stop making sense to yourself, it's a scary place to be. When it says it propels you into a state where you don't understand anything at all. That's a scary place to be. And as a pastor, that's a really scary place to be. Um, But I'm there. The way I think about God and believe about God is completely different. I can't put my finger on it anymore. I can tell you I don't believe in the God that I used to believe in. But I don't know what God is right now. So that's probably why there's so many people here. Because <laughs> the pastor doesn't know what God is anymore. I want to be honest. I want to be transparent. I saw uh, Rob Bell, who's a writer and speaker. Uh, he did a book signing for this, what the Bible, what is it called? The book called the Bible. It's about the Bible. It's a book on the Bible, and I can't remember what the name of it is, but he was doing a book signing, and um, it's about what the Bible is, basically being a collection of poems and letters, and and uh, it, it, it was really great just hearing him talk. And, you know, he talked about being honest and transparent and that sometimes when we're not able to live our passions or speak our passions or be honest with ourselves, that we become shells of ourselves. And that really hit me. Because I felt like there's a part of me that's been kind of holding back a little bit that doesn't want to say, like, I don't know where I am right now. I don't know where God is right now. I don't know what that is. You know, and, and so I was encouraged by that. Um, at the same time, I was like, I'll never speak as good as Rob Bell. <laughs> I mean, the guy is a master. If you ever get a chance to see him, it's just like, he's just amazing. And... uh but then again, I, I have to accept that I am well, who I am. He is who he is. But I was really impressed. And I didn't want to be. You know, I wanted to be like, oh, yeah, this old stuff. You know, but I was like, man, this is good. This guy's getting people excited about reading the Bible and the Old Testament and actually reading it in its context and not literal and, you know, seeing things in a new way, that you know, or maybe in a different way for a lot of people. I mean, it's old hat for a lot of progressives. But so many evangelicals who who followed this guy really need that. But today I'm going to talk about Romans 5, 1. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace into which we stand, and we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our suffering. Now, here's a listen. People always say, when are you going to do a happy sermon? 
Jay don't do no happy sermons. Um, I saw uh, someone wrote a, a, an email to these the these this show I was on. I think it was a Holy Heretics, and she, they asked permission to share it. And woman said, "Note to self: Don't drink when listening to Revolution Church. <laughs> Becomes a cry fest." Luckily, I am able to just listen in my backyard. So I was like, oh. So I'm kind of like the anti-Joel Olstein. Yeah. Oh. So you can't do it. Um, your worst life ever. <laughs> every day is Monday. Because he had a book, Every Day is Friday or something. I remember thinking every day is Friday and being like, man, that's the day I'm like most exhausted. It should be like every day is Saturday. <laughs> Anyhow, I'll write a letter. Okay, and not only that, but we also boast in our suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance. Now, we've probably read things like this before because of First John, I think I read last week, and that's in there. But um, this is Paul's, what he's talking about suffering. This is a so let's look at the common thread here. Suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. Expectations disappoint us. You know, if you have expectations that things are going to be a particular way or turn out a certain way, you're going to be disappointed. Hope, though, has doubt built in it. So when we hope for things, we're not sure what we're going to get. Um, if we're going to get it or not. Hope is a different, a different beast, and I like hope over expectations. Um, Expecting something to go our way rather than saying, well, I hope so. I like it because it has a little bit of pessimist, pessimistic vibe to it. And um, that's my, my jam. Um, in Hebrews 11, 1, it says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. So, we're looking at things that aren't seen. We're looking at things, uh, the assurance of things hoped for. What does that even mean? It's like mind-boggling. Um, I wasn't going to read further, but I'm going to read further, just to kind of get even a better context of why Paul really believes that hope is, can be a part of disappointment and uh, God's love. For why we were still weak at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. Indeed, rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person someone might actually dare to die. But God provided his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, much more surely than now that we have been justified by his blood. We will be saved through him from the wrath of God. For while we were, this is what I wanted to read, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Much more surely, having been reconciled, we will be saved by his life. I like that. Reconciled while we were enemies. 
Now that goes me back, brings me right back up to five again. Um, also boast in our suffering. So for me, when I get up here and go, oh, I'm struggling with this. I'm struggling with that. It's not me saying it's a pity party. This is me literally trying to boast in the midst of my suffering. And I think why it says boast in the midst of our suffering is because we each suffer. And we all go through different things. And it's our way of sharing pain with one another. You know, if we keep it in, it's not healthy. Um, But if we're able to talk about it and get it out there, I mean, there's a reason why there's psychiatry and counseling, which I'm being a big part of my life, are so popular is because people don't have people to talk to. So we pay people to talk to. You know, we find, we have to find voices to hear us. And the church isn't what it once was. Or I mean, I'm sure there are some churches that are great at it. Um, this church is full of a lot of introverted type of people, so we're not the best at it. But, you know, we're still young again. <laughs> Only 20 years old, 20 Oh, gosh, 94, 23 years old. But we just started back here again. So maybe we'll get some some extroverts to come love on us a little bit, some grandmas and grandpas or something. Um, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint. So let's look at that hope. Hope, hope, things not seen. Um got a lot to boast about. I've got a lot to boast about. <laughs> um, and, and reading this unapologetics was me boasting about not knowing where I'm at and being in a very scary place, so I'm laying it on the table. There's the truth. I'm scared, you know. Um, and to be quite honest with you, the church is in a really crappy position financially right now because I haven't been keeping up with the thank yous and doing certain things that I need to be doing. And uh, it's really tough. It's really freaking tough, you know. Um, but I have hope that things are going to change. I really do. I, the other day I made a list of things. I, I make little like lists of just things I need to do. And then I was like, you know what? I've got like five things that are haunting me in my brain that I need to do. And it was so easy just to sit down and write them down. And just writing them down reminded me of the AA thing where they have the God box where you write down, write down your problems and you put it in a box and give it to God. Well, I gave it to my notebook uh, with, with check boxes next to it so knowing that this is, a, some way, this is a direction I'm heading into to progress. And I'm hoping that this will bring more peace. But there's hope. Because there's also the part of me that likes to do exactly the opposite of what I should do. Like, oh, I could make this phone call. Or I could take a nap. You know. Or I could go down to the skate shop. And talk to them for an hour. And not buy anything. Um, Romans 8.24 was my mom, one of my mom's favorite verses. I read this at her funeral. Uh, She loved it. And so this is another thing about hope. So we're going to look at hope again. 
Now remember, we're looking at hope because we're talking about boasting and suffering. We're dealing with suffering and we're looking for some sort of hope in the midst of our suffering. All right. Uh, 8.24 says, For in hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For we hope for what is seen. For we, for we hope for what is not seen. But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray. How to pray. We ought to. But that very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. And God, who searches our hearts, knows what's the Spirit in mind, and the Spirit becomes the Spirit, intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. We know that all things work together for the good for those who love God, who are called according to God's purpose. My mom used to tell me that all the time. She had a pessimistic son. She has a son that suffers from extreme depression, (laughs) pessimism, um, all sorts of fun stuff. And, you know, she would say stuff like, well, at least they can't eat you, you know, and I would be like, ah, you know. Stop being positive. <laughs> I don't want to look at the bright side, you know. But now that she's gone, I, the bright side is is something that I want to look at. I wish I had that voice to hear again. You don't realize how much you, 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 you those things were important to have, even though I was fighting it because I wanted to sulk in my own misery. Um, but hope is, now hope is something that... But, but if you hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. So there becomes that part of patience, and we're hoping for things that we don't see because we don't hope for things we see. We don't hope for things we have. So we have to hope for that which is the dream, that which is the vision, that which is hopefully reconciliation of some sort. I, I don't know reconciliation. I don't know. Or... or, or, or getting out of a poisonous relationship or friendship. But we have hope for that. I have hope that my writer's block will lessen. So every time I sit down to prepare a sermon, I don't feel like I'm like, you know, disarming an atomic bomb. You know, like, oh, how's this going to work? Where's this coming from? What's it going to do, you know? It's scary. But... This part here that says we know that all things work together for good for those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. Now, I have a struggle with that because it's such a positive thing. It's such a faith. It's such a hopeful sentence that all things work together. Because you go, all things work together. Wait a second. Things don't really all work together for Christians. That's not true, you know. But hold on a second. Remember, we're still in the same book. We're still reading the same book in the Bible, the same letter, okay? So I'm not skipping from book to book. And remember, we just read, we can boast about our suffering, knowing that our suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character, and character produces hope. You know, so this isn't a denial of suffering, you know, this isn't just one little spot that says there's no suffering here. It's saying there is suffering. 
We know there's suffering, but we know that all things, which means suffering too, work together for the good for those who love God. Even your suffering works out for the good. I can't explain it, but I've seen it happen. I've seen people, you know, when my mother was dying of cancer and I would run into somebody else whose parents was, had cancer or a family member had cancer or someone else who had died of cancer, I could connect with that person without a word. You know, you just, you knew it. All you did is you knew the suffering and it was the silence was there. And that suffering connected. Was it worth my mom dying? No. But was there something there beyond me and beyond my understanding? Yes. So all things, huh? All things. 35, if you jump down to 835, it says, Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will hardship or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or swords. As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all day long. We are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depths, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. 9.1 goes on to continue and says, I am speaking the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience confirms it by the Holy Spirit. So Paul was extremely passionate about us to understand this, that we're going to have hard times. You know, look at this. What will separate us? It doesn't say we won't have hardships. It doesn't say we won't have distress. It doesn't say we won't have nakedness. When I think of nakedness, it doesn't mean that we're exposed. There's going to be times where we're completely exposed. But it's saying God's love doesn't matter. God's love is still there. Now imagine if our love was still there every time someone was exposed the radical inclusion that we love so much. As, as a lot of us are progressive Christians, we have the radical conclusion, r- inclusion for a lot of people. But then when people in our other camps who we don't like so much, when they get exposed and their nakedness is exposed, we're not so necessarily quick to say, let's love them, love their brothers and sisters, through that. When this is what Paul's talking about. This isn't afterlife stuff. This isn't magic. This isn't a magic book. This is Paul writing to Rome saying, this is how you guys should live with one another. You know, you're going through all this. At least the one thing you can hold on to because they're being persecuted, they're being held under a very powerful government. Um, And he's trying to, you know, write to some of these folks and say, I mean, he says famine and sword, and death, and all these things, they're not going to get you. We are more than conquerors through him who loves us. Now, doubt is in hope. I've said that before, and I think it's important. But death, life, and everything in between, all things, hardships and distress, 
God's love is consistent. Grace is consistent. The acceptance of your situation and accepting where you're at and what you're in and knowing that you are accepted by something greater than yourself is there. This is hard to do. It really is. Because a part of me goes like, is there anything there? But I see the transformation that I see a lot of people in 12-step programs who have higher powers and their higher powers don't have names, but somehow they make it through. So maybe I don't have to have God figured out in order for it to, to work. You know? Maybe it's something that I can learn to accept and learn to try to live to get through my own shit. This verse here shaped my mother's life. She believed it with childlike faith. And it's my hope that we'll all find that such faith. You know, for her, she was never a gay affirming Christian, but she spoke at more events for gay Christians <laughs> than anybody I knew at the time. This was, you, you know, 15, 20 years ago. I remember me not even being at the place and her taking me to, um, uh, what's the first uh, openly gay uh, denomination? No, it was all, it was Metropolitan. I mean, I remember going to Metropolitan Community Churches with my mom and she would speak at these events and uh, and I was like, oh. And she'd be like, oh, honey, I'm going to be speaking at the Metropolitan Community Church in Atlanta. You should come. And I was like, okay, I'll come. You know, and, you know, I had gay friends. <laughs> Listen to me. I had some gay friends. I knew a couple gay folks. Um, but it was still something that was something I wasn't dealing with. It was something that I kind of put on the shelf because I was afraid to look at. And here was my mom who wasn't this affirming place, but she lived in a place that all things work together for those who love God. She, her, law was pushed out by grace. That's what happens before you know what happened. Law pushes grace through. I mean, grace pushes and just says, go by law. So she was living a life of grace, even though she had law in her mind, works in her mind, old-time religion in her mind, there was still something that her actions were speaking louder than her own words. Yes, Jesus loves me. She would sing with everybody and she'd preach and she'd go to these things and she would go to pride fest, pride parades and, and, and do all these things. And it was like really amazing to me to see what she was able to do in the midst of all that. Um, and I found a lot of hope in that. And I also came to a conclusion, another conclusion and, and said, you know, I want to be completely affirming and completely open because of her and what she did. But it was because she understood what hope was. And she was a hope dealer. She dealt in hope. She gave people hope. I don't know how many letters and how many people I've heard from that said, your mother always gave me hope when I was in the midst of hell. When I was going through hell, I turned on the TV, there she was or I was at a parade, or I was at a book signing event, and, you know, she was so full of hope. And, man, I would love to be that. 
but it's kind of figuring out hope, isn't it? So we have justification, endurance, and pain. What's your pain? What haunts you? What steals your peace? What's taking that away? And you say, Jay, I don't have any hope. I can't see any hope. But what, is it, what, is it, what does it say? It says, now hope that is seen is not hope. Hope that is seen is not hope. For we hope for what is, for who hopes for what is seen? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Fruits of this, one of the fruits of the spirits is patience. One of the three things that remains is faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love, but hope and faith and, and, and love are the great, three greatest things, Paul says. So we won't see hope. We might not feel hope necessarily. But we wait with patience that it's going to work out that this promise that we know that all things work together for good for those who love God and who are called according to God's purpose. Can we do that? I think so. So I have a hope that's not seen and I hope I can pass I hope, I hope, I hope hope I can pass it on I hope it's passed on a little bit here man I wish I could put a tiny little bow on this talk and just make it really precious and everybody walk out of here knowing exactly what went down or you know you turn off the whatever you're listening and go oh hope I got it but that's not all there All I can say is assure you that if God is God and Christ is who Christ claimed to be, then that love of we are never separated, nothing separates that, no matter how exposed we are, no matter how high. The New Living says, the gates of hell cannot separate you from the love of God. I love that part. Um, But that love is always there. There's hope in that. Right now, that hope for me is small and is requiring. It's like, it's like this is hope, <laughs> and it's requiring. This is the biggest bug I have here. No, oh, here, hope, and then, you know, this is patience. It's patience is is big, and I'm. It's requiring me to have a lot of patience to have a little hope. A little hope that things will work out. And things will not always work out how we want them to work out. But that's where we trust something that's greater than ourselves. Man, I have a hard time talking about that stuff, supernatural stuff. I'm struggling too, folks. It's, so it's, it's not me trying to sell you a bill of goods. It's me struggling to get that hope as well. And that we can do this together. And somehow make it through these hardships.
I think I'm going to end with reading that quote again, if that's okay. It's okay. I'll allow it. This is from the book Unapologetic, Why Despite Everything Christianity Can Still Make Surprising Emotional Sense by Francis Spooford. There it is. First you have to go through and why you do, why you're struggling with the first raw realization of the degree to which you fucked things up. And one of the louder quieter crisis of adult life, there's no resolution to be had, no comfy scheme of order to hold on to. Oh man, I love comfy, comfy schemes. I really do. It's nice when you're like, okay, I do A, B, C, D, okay, I can work this out. Yeah, I'll tell this person this, I'll do this or this, and this, and I'm done. You know, nope, sorry. It just comes a point where there's no comfy schemes in order to hold on to. The essence of the experience I am trying to talk about in this chapter is that of, it's chaotic. So think about this, we're looking for hope in the midst of chaos. And Paul was trying to convince us that there is hope in the midst of chaos. That, you know, when we're exposed, when we're down, when we're dead, when we're being killed, when we're being martyred, there is hope in the midst of this chaos. There's a hope that we know we will not be separated from the love of Christ. What is that worth to you? Is it worth anything or not? Is there anything there for you or not? Find out. You stop making sense to yourself. Man, I relate, I've got that underlined because I've got it highlighted and underlined because that's where I'm at. I might not even be making sense to you right now. You find that you aren't what you thought you were, but something much more multiple and mysterious and self-subverting. And this discovery doesn't propel you to a new understanding of things. It propels you into a state where you don't understand anything at all. Unable to believe in the comfortable things you used to believe in about yourself. You enter a sequence of changing caricatures as your self-image. And so what do we do when we go through such things as I guess we have patience and we have hope? I'm going to pray. Lord, I thank you for your grace and your mercy. I thank you for hope. I thank you for the people in this room. Thank you for the folks online. And I ask that you would help us all understand this a little bit more. I ask that you'd become more of a reality to us. These words would become more of a reality to us. And that this would fall on ears that need to hear it. Amen. Um, Thanks for coming. We're going to take an offering. I'm going to really quick pitch online as well. Um folks who are listening, if this is your church and it's important to you and uh, you get something out of it, I'd ask that you consider uh, making a donation, helping us out. As always, we'd rather have you than your money. It's not about that. I hate raising money. 
coming from my family background, it just sucks. Thanks, Dad. Um, <laughs> but it's a necessary evil in what I do in a nonprofit world. And, uh, yeah, all I can say is if you're listening, Revolution needs your support right now. And I've always been honest about it when we need it. And right now we need it. And uh, all of you who have been supporting us in the past and continue to support us, I'm so grateful to you, and I thank you for that. And thank you for all you've done and making this work possible and sticking with this work even when your pastor has carries uncertainty and doubt with him. So uh, if this is something you'd like to continue to see happen and go on, we ask for your support. Um, so thank you and uh, for that. I'm going to pass the hat. If you're online, you can go to revolutionchurch.com and do that. Um, support us there. I'm going to throw this hat at somebody and they're not going to be looking. You ready? So, yeah. Thanks a lot, everybody, for listening. Once again, this is Revolution Church. Bye-bye for now.